and I, it's like, no, uh, English philosophers are, uh, that's not a real thing. I think the point is that it's not, it's not, there's no real English philosophers. You can't really take someone named Sir Roger Scruton seriously as a no, philosopher. No, it's completely impossible. <laughs> I mean, I mean, obviously there's no such thing as like philosophers anymore. Maybe it's good because we don't have to deal with them as often. This is true. Like it doesn't come up. Yeah. How, what, when was the last time? You have to like deal with a Roger Scrutinist in in architectural academia. <laughs> Until today, uh. <laughs> <laughs> maybe soon, but as of yet, the the, the Latourians when Charles the Third, well. the Latourians are more of a problem. Yeah, when Charles the uh, Third institutes Scrutonianism as the official yes. philosophy, sociology of the regime. <laughs> All right, welcome to Street Sweeper. Welcome, everyone. My name is Will. I'm Ricardo. Today, uh, in honor of the dead queen. Indeed. Turns out. Uh, queen croaked. Yeah, we're, we're a bit late to the party. Well, she was alive for, what, 100 years? So she can be dead for at least a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, obviously this should have been the previous uh, this is the October episode, but uh, we needed to privilege answering the, act, the, the, the patron question on the welfare yeah. state. And uh, put some important material there. Some important yeah. material there. But uh, it's okay. Yeah, the queen is still dead, as you say. Yeah. So it's okay. She'll be dead for a long time, I, I think. She, we're still within the, 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 the kind of timeliness time of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so in, in, in honor of uh, the uh, corpse empress, we are... Uh, and the now crowned yes, Charles III. Indeed. Karl uh, Saxe-Coburg-Gotha. Right. Our, the new... Liege Lord. Yes, the new version of uh, the superior Aryan stock that rules over us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Elizabeth uh, is gone. It right. is now the, the, the age of Carl, <laughs> the, the bad Carl. So, yeah, we're going to talk, uh, we're, specifically, we're going to talk about Poundbury, which is the... Yeah, and the kind of the architecture of King Charles. You, you may, for, again, for those who don't know, uh, King Charles, now King Charles, is a big fan of architecture. Yeah, which is great for our discipline, right? We've Indeed. got a royal patron. Yes, it's going to be <laughs> wonderful. So we're going to be talking, we decided, let's just do a full episode on around the town of Poundbury. Yeah. Before we get into Poundbury, we're going to take a patron question. Yeah, we got our second ever Question from a patron from Leo. Friend of the show. (laughs) Leo actually used to be both of our students, actually. Yeah. Both of our students. Yeah, and uh, Leo says, Hi, Will. Hi, Ricardo. Recent graduate, I reached the point where I don't think I want to kid myself and work in some self-proclaimed avant-garde firm and pretend I'm changing the world one gentrified building at a time. So I thought maybe it's better to work for a big firm, take it as a job, i.e. pay bills, and build networks of solidarity, look for political allies and fellow architecture workers, etc., and avoid designing prisons and residential projects. 
At the same time, I'm not at the point yet where I'd comfortably apply in the top 100 corporate firms. In the meantime, I was thinking of working as a bubble tea barista or something like that. <laughs> Wanted to hear your thoughts, like a twist to the architectural reviews letters to young architects. <laughs> yeah, it's a good que- another good question. Yeah, this, this one is a fairly, also a pretty complicated question, but actually the answer that we have is fairly straightforward. I mean, it seems like he already sort of knows the answer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, which is, yeah, pretty much to treat it as a job, look for your agency um, in the organizing of the workplace and then outside of the discipline and profession in political action in general. And in, Right. Yeah. Yeah, like the um, there is um, this kind of timely that we're recording the answer to this question is like he posted this question immediately after the last episode but the um we're recording this like the day before the pod is coming out and it just so happened that the um uh there's like a we ran into a couple of twitter discussions exactly on this issue in the last couple of days yeah um the there was a kind of a discussion that was triggered on the line another topic of our <laughs> podcast, although we recorded that episode before the line was so shapey as it is now. So that was, yeah. that was unfortunate. We should have waited a bit more. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and there's like big um, architecture offices in, in the UK uh, d- designing on the line, right? Uh, Zahadid, for example. And so there's like takes going on, like for example, the following one. I'm saying it again. If you work for Morphosis or Zahadid Architects, quit. Quit. Or have this infamy stain your name forever. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is worth that. And no, you won't be the voice of reason. Represent the voices of the unheard. While being in the firm. Like better to be on the inside than on the outside. Yeah, so this person yeah. is saying two things at the same time. Number one, you're not going to be like, like the whole like being on yeah. the inside versus being on the outside doesn't work. You're not going right. to be the, you're not going to change the project for the better by staying in the firm. Right. But he's also telling workers, like he's also thinking that that is the issue of workers in firms. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the two things are not for the same people. The point of you're not going to be the voice of reason is for people in management positions that actually have a degree of power right. in the firm. Um, people that are actually having a sort of career within the office. The point of quitting, I mean, for those people, fine, but you, you can't say quit to a run-of-the-mill architectural worker that needs to pay their bills. Like, yeah. you, they, they can't quit up your, their job because their office is doing something like, quote-unquote, unethical or whatever. Yeah, I mean, and it's the old, the old line uh, that working in capitalism is always working for the enemy. Yes. That's the relationship between yeah, capital yeah, and labor. Yeah. So it's not going to stain your name uh, yeah, forever the, to work in a dubious firm on a dubious project. Most firms and most, if not all projects, are dubious in some respect. Yes. And as a worker, that's not a, you can't refuse to sell your labor. That's that's what being a worker is. You don't yes. have you, your own means of production. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, and this is a, a, a typical concern, these kind of petit bourgeois or upper middle class. Uh, yeah. Like it would like call it the left, like the upper middle class left, yeah, liberal, or even just kind of whatever, liberal progressive, central liberal progressive. Yes, yeah. this kind of consumer ethics of the of the work of the of the professional. Yeah, 
yeah, the, it's kind of assuming that everyone is a, an, a, a, a middle class or upper middle class person with parents and financial security that gets to have the privilege of like just deciding, picking and choosing which jobs they take. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And they can just go without working for like six months or something while they're yeah. searching for something better and finding themselves or something like that. And yeah. that basically the struggle against capitalism, this is something that we see all the time. The struggle against capitalism is kind of an act of kind of radical refusal. Right. Instead of being something that organically develops from the working class. Like the working class doesn't get to do ethical radical yeah. refusal, obviously. I mean, if you want to be really radical in a positive sense here, you should enter these firms and try to unionize them. Exactly. And right. this is exactly the point that uh, our good friends of the pod, Future Architects Front, make ah, in response to this. Exactly. Uh, agree with the Fakzahadi, the architect's sentiment on this, but it's important to understand that workers' ability to leverage change comes from organizing and unions, not quitting for a less egregious form of exploitation at Foster's. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> this is just well precisely exactly. the issue. And yeah, I mean, this is, uh, there's another one that came out just like yesterday, uh, Antonio Guterres, the, uh, basically the, the UN secretary, the president of the world, <laughs> Antonio Guterres, uh, former, uh, prime minister of Portugal, right. who provides from the center left, quote unquote, actually neoliberal socialist party that he started the privatization of healthcare education, mm. uh, the privatization of public infrastructure, like mm. railways, uh, highways. Uh, like he began the, he was like, trying out for the, the largest, gig. yeah, the largest wave of privatizations of the destruction of Portuguese public uh, services uh, was begun under his government. Um, yeah, my my grandpa punched him once, so that's, that's <laughs> I, I'm I'm very proud of him. Uh, my my grandpa punched the president of the world. Um, yeah, like he says, my message to the youth of today, do not take up careers with the climate wreckers. Mm. I urge you to be the generation that succeeds in addressing the planetary emergency of climate change. Mm-hmm. And this is just like... Well, maybe the, you shouldn't uh, neoliberalize the economy yeah, first so of all, there are other jobs out there. Yeah, you shouldn't have privatized Portuguese highways and railways if yeah. you are concerned about climate wrecking. Yeah. Second of all, um, working people don't have careers anymore. They have bad jobs. This is like my response to this, right? Right. They have bad jobs. They don't get careers. What they, they need to get the best possible job that gives them the best possible conditions for them, for their lives. Yeah. And then they need to organize, unionize, and... Best case scenario, join your local most effective revolutionary organization or yeah. potentially revolutionary organization at least. Yeah. That, that, that's what you need to do. You don't get to not... Yeah, I, and so for Leo, I guess, and everyone else, like this is our point. Like your political agency comes from political work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you need to get the job that is the best for you. Now, I'm not completely refusing. I, I wouldn't completely entirely refuse like some kind of refusal of some op- job options on the on some kind of ethical grounds. Like, well, the constructing is, prisons is a, might be... A, yeah, so... But then again, like if you're in a firm and that firm suddenly gets a prison contract, are you supposed to quit your job? And uh, like, how do you pay your bills? 
Oh, how I are mean, you not homeless in two months? If you've organized with your with the other workers in the firm, you can put pressure exactly. on the employer not so to take the job. So ideally, yeah. that's what you need to do: organize yeah. the workers in the workplace. Yeah. Um, but if you're looking for a job, I, and this, this is like a, a worker it's, needs it's to really figure like, that, do you, do that situation. Want, what, do you where? want the firm? Do you want the firm to do the project without you, or not do the project? Right. If you want them to not do the project, then you need to undermine their ability to access labor in general. Right. So you need to actually exactly like the the, the workforce in general has to refuse the yep. project. Not just yep. it's not a stain on your soul; it's a stain on someone else's soul. Right. So the point is organizing. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. Exactly right. Okay. That's right. it. <laughs> to King Charles. <laughs> So for those who don't know what Poundbury is, yeah, there might be people uh, who don't like it, right? Oh, we I'm sure, We have an international yeah. audience. Yeah. Um, Poundbury is a little town yeah. that was, uh, is like a private development by Prince Charles. Right. As like When he was prince. When he was the prince. And Duke of Cornwall. Indeed. Is he still Duke of Cornwall after being king? No, William is now Duke of Cornwall. That's weird. I, I, thought, I thought the, um, uh, like noble titles passed on always the same way he needs to die for the next guy to become Duke of I think there are there are titles that that fulfill positions within the royal family it's so, like a hierarchy thing yeah the Duke of the the Duchy of Cornwall includes a bunch of land in Dorset where this land where this little town was built yes uh, and it's uh, by rights owned and controlled by the eldest son I think or at least the heir of the, monarch. Of the reigning monarch. Right. So now William is the okay. Duke of Cornwall. And they that's what they get like a bunch of uh, you know, money from. Right. Just rent. Yeah, from it's this private. Land. It's, it's private. It's their private. Yeah, they can't income. sell anything, but uh, they get an income from it. Right. I mean I think is William now the Prince of Wales too? I think does that pass on? I don't. I don't know if probably. that probably has even more income associated with it and yeah, palaces like the, and shit. She was queen for so long that like, yeah, you just like, <laughs> uh, like the the logic, all of the other things around yeah. it, you think are kind of just static. Like, right. the son of the monarch is always uh, this, and the um, mm -hmm. uh, grandson is always that, or whatever. Yeah, but actually, it's in clear. It's it may just be like happenstance. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I have no idea. Whatever. Anyway, he was once upon a time, you may remember, Charles, Carl Saxe-Coburg Gotha, was once upon a time Prince uh, of Wales. Prince of Wales. Duke of Cornwall. And Duke of Cornwall. And he had this land, which was basically he could do whatever he wanted with it. Yeah. And he decided to be like a real estate investor at a, at a relatively large scale and invented a new little town. Yeah. And this was. Uh, in the context of his uh, other interventions into architecture, famously intervening, I think we've talked about this before, famously intervening in the Reba, in a Reba yeah. uh, event and over the um, competition for the addition yeah, yeah, to yeah. the British Museum. In the right wing architecture episode, we, National we touched on, yeah. on him yeah. and Creer. And there's a, this guy called Leon Creer, which is yeah. um, an architect, Luxembourgish from Luxembourg. Uh, we don't have who, his extended name. Right? We don't have his extended <laughs> no, 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 noble name. Um, and um, he, he's been based in Britain for ages. Uh, he was uh, an important uh, 
teacher in the architectural association uh, in the uh, 60s and 70s. He stopped being a teacher, I think, in 72 or 73. I don't remember. And uh, like, he ran the unit at the architectural association that was uh, taken over by uh, Rem Kuhas afterwards. Right. Right. Um, deep unit. I forgot what it was. I think it was nine. I've never remembered any of those. It was Dip Nine. Um, he taught Dip Nine for like a couple of years after the diploma, the unit system was invented in seventy one. Mm-hmm. Then uh, Elias Engelis came in to teach with him in the same unit. Elias Engelis was taught with him. Okay, so there's an actual crossover. There was a cross. There, yeah, there was a crossover cool through Zengelis. Then Creer right. uh, left and Kulhas came in. Right. Zengelis became the unit master and Kulhas uh, came in. Right, right. The Duchy of Cornwall unit. Exactly. <laughs> Succession passed yes. on. Yes, <laughs> and then they became, uh, Zengelis and Kulhas became the kind of... Uh, That's great. It's, Neo-avant-garde, it's... Anti-tra- anti-trad, anti-postmodern... Uh, just like just like Prince Philip was a was a Greek uh, import, exactly. a Danish no, it, royal import via Greece. Precisely, Kulhas was a, a Dutch import exactly. via Greece. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> the 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 Greece for some reason, and it still works like that in in the architectural academic milieu in London. It's like a clearinghouse. Of, yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> Greece. There's a, like an important Greek connection there going on with the uh, UK uh, yeah. academic architecture regime. Yeah, and the <laughs> royal family. And the, and the royal family. <laughs> I mean, obviously, there's a connection to the royal family in the British architecture regime somehow. Yeah. So Poundbury, it's in uh, it's in sort of rural Dorset. Um, the whole idea of the town basically was to design it uh, on traditionalist, basically 19th century planning principles, um, or in other words, postmodern 80s new urbanist principles. Yes. But the, so it's got this kind of... Although we, we will be studying, I guess, how postmodern it is or isn't. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go into some detail on the on the plan or I anything? Mean, the, the, the career approach is a kind of neo-traditionalist um, yeah. planning and uh, design. Although he does mix it with some kind of modern uh, planning principles Hmm. of like rationalization. There are elements of rationalization. Like um, Creer notably believes, like he's mostly concerned about architectural language, but he's not opposed to uh, rational planning in a kind of a way that is sort of inherited from uh, modern thinking, but mo- modern not in the sense of like ar- modernist architecture, but in the sense of like the kind of long tradition from like 19th, cent- po- 19th century and 20th right. century tradition of like hygienization, rationalization of, uh, of the city, et cetera, and so on, right? Right, right. Um, so uh, Poundbury is basically a sort of um, green uh, new town, a kind of, a, it has a he- an Ebenezer Howardy thing going on, mm. although much more dense. Yeah, um, more like the streets are more streets and less. There's like it's less like isolated buildings in the middle of a green of a, of, of of the green. Um, Certainly reducing car traffic and privileging pedestrian. Definitely that. That's a, that's an important emphasis. part of, of density. Yeah. Although, with limited success, apparently. Yes, <laughs> with fairly limited success. Um, Creer uh, notably. Uh, 
after World War II, uh, started, uh, essentially defended the kind of art deco traditionally um, architecture that became typically associated with fascism yeah. after World War II. Uh, and he made a big monograph on Albert Speer. We've discussed this We've before. We've discussed yeah. this, yeah. Uh, so he privileges kind of neoclassicist monumentalism um, mixed with, um, I guess, folksy uh, yeah. vernacular uh, use and design and forms. It's not arts and crafts, though. It's not arts and crafts. Yeah. It's less modern. Yeah. It's less proto-modernist than yeah. arts and crafts. It's very More aggressively... Like, arts and crafts was proto-modern. Yeah. It was tending towards. Uh, he's moving away from. Yeah, and so arts and crafts... in that sense, it's definitely post-modern. Arts and crafts would be inventing new motifs and yes. uh, detail and things yeah. like that. This is basically working with the traditional yeah. language of art. So the whole thing in Poundbury, uh, yeah, and you can just like imagine any kind of urban plan with a little Renaissance piazza in the middle. Mm -hmm. uh, with like a church on it. Yeah, and everything kind of eclectic-y. Yeah. Um, but sort of neoclassical eclectic-y. Yep. It doesn't really respect the principles of what we would consider kind of neoclassical forms in the, in the monumental buildings. It's all a bit more, yeah, 19th in century Picturesque, yeah, basically. Picturesque. Yeah. Um, and then uh, this kind of twiggly roads going about... Um, no no basically no uh no axiality no straight yeah no no, no real clear axiality no grid everything is supposed to be like twiggly and roundy um and bouncy uh, english very english and uh then there's like some uh, kind of rows of little houses yeah going on and uh they are they oscillate between north being kind of more also renaissance uh uh, classic -y. um or and, british village or being british villagey vernacular -y. yeah yeah so the whole thing is like that yeah it's pretty surreal it's pretty surreal i haven't been there but from the images <laughs> it has a kind of a, a very clear awkward kind of it, 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 it's like a horror film set. It, it has yeah. a, a kind of a... You, you, get, you are there and you are not in a... Not in a normal You're not town. in a normal place, no. <laughs> the you people are, are not normal. No, the whole thing has a kind of Brechtian estrangement effect. Right. That is an obvious, uh, an intended side effect of the attempt to construct a sort of uh, old-timey wholenessness. Yeah, it's, it's forced wholesomeness is yeah. very uncanny. And it's not at all postmodern, because, like the whole point, like postmodern is not supposed to create like wholesomeness, mm. right? I mean, I guess it is. It depends. Like, obviously, it's not Venturian postmodern. It's not ironic. It's not. There's no irony whatsoever yeah. in, in it. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you would, I guess, like a Rossian postmodernism has a, a, a kind of a drive towards uh, wholesomeness and wholenessness. Yeah, but it also has an intentional estrangement. Effect. Yeah. In in this case the estrangement is non intentional. Yeah. Um but inevitable. Yeah. But I would definitely say as an postmodern artifact, it's much more in the Rossi trend than in the Venturi trend. Yeah. Yeah. 
which does make perfect sense because Rossi perceives himself as a communist and so does Leon Creer. <laughs> so like the communist, self-identified communist um, postmodern architects are the, ones that, are the ones that function well with, uh, uh, <laughs> with like this just straight up trad. Uh, <laughs> trad, trad calf. <laughs> yeah, trad calf. Or in this case, trad, uh, um, what's, what's the Anglican, English, church yeah. Anglican? Yeah. <laughs> the the, uh, the uh, like straight up uh, proto-neoliberal, uh, we like casinos, <laughs> but type of postmodern architects are actually much less compatible with uh, just kind of more kind of fascistic versions. Right, right. So, yeah, how do we ass- how do we assess it? I mean, looking through some of the some of the details, uh, Prince Charles emphasize the need for affordable housing there's apparently some sort of affordable housing provision there is a affordable housing provision i would like to know if it's uh, if there are social rents or if they are all those kind of fake affordable from rents. what i've seen it's it's like a housing association shared ownership uh all kinds of weird arrangements so it's right. not really it's not social rent it's not social rent i yeah. can't say this with absolute certainty from but from what i've seen it's it's all kinds of weird schemes, right. basically. And they're like spread out. It's you just you just don't know. You're in the street and you have no idea which of those little houses is is a like. It's all little houses. It's not like apartment blocks, either middle class uh, apartments or social like apartments. There's no such thing. Everything is little houses. You don't know which little house happens to be supposed affordable or not. There must be some units that are like. Uh, I mean, there's there's a bit of row housing, I think. Yeah, like Georgian row housing. Yeah, that's part of the and uh, the trad aesthetic. But we can't really assess how meaningful any of that is. No. Um, so we'll just say it's basically average. Does yeah, I mean, it's it the, the the funny thing about the social aspect of it, like the whole planning logic of it, is basically exactly in line with the contemporary mainstream. Like people look at Poundbury and make fun of it as like, but they focus on the architecture as like on the style of the thing. Yeah. If you look at the planning principles, it's fairly orthodox and mainstream. Like uh, apart from the fact of the shape of the shapey element of it. Yeah. Everything else like attempt to kind of privilege pedestrian circulation, uh, density, uh, walkability, public space. Uh, all of the uh, contemporary small businesses, yeah, all of the contemporary kind of postmodern principle. I mean, all of the contemporary principles of what is good, yeah, um, are there in both their bad and their bad and their good elements. Like walkability and density uh, are there, and I like those principles. Um, uh, like all, all of the services being relatively like functioning at the neighborhood um, uh, level at the neighborhood scale again walkability yeah um, basically it was planned it was planned and, and that's, that's a good. good thing yeah yeah and it 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 you it works in the measure <laughs> that it was planned yeah um, is this the only new town started in the nineties it in may Britain? very well be the last. Is it the last the last new town? British new town? Although it's not like it doesn't have an actual new town. Fun. It's it's too small for us for mm, what, yeah, yeah. It has nothing. It, it's very little in common with the, the welfare state period new towns, right, right? Which were of scale. They had 
they work they have an economic industry function yeah um their point was to de-densify uh london right this is a suburban development i mean it's not close to another major urban center right there's a there's there's like a county town yeah this is a little county town yeah but it's not it's not really posed as an alternative to the city it's posed as an alternative to a like suburban development basically yeah i i mean i we don't know when neither does anyone in the sense of like what's the intention how, how do you like this is attempting to produce this is a manifesto project it's yeah. not just i'm going to do this because i feel i'm going to do a, a, a real estate development because i've just want to make money off of it or i feel like it no this is an architectural manifesto yeah the point of it is this is how the city should be or living should be today yeah. this is how architecture yeah. and the and, and the, uh, the built environment should be um of course it only functions as a small little rural town how, how would you have a large-scale city on those principles it's not really kind yeah. of, cannot be addressed well this is the, this, from what i understand this is an ambiguity of it because the literature poses it as an alternative to the monotony of suburban development. Right. Um, but at the same time, it's not really a suburban development. It's a town. Right. Or a village. Exactly. Or whatever. So it's proposing a center. Yes. So it's 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 in this kind of idea of like a satellite town. or yeah. it Maybe it's a critique of the idea of, a, of suburbanization in general. Everything should be a town. There's nothing between like the city center and towns. <laughs> I mean, the logic of uh, suburban development having centralities and have is perfect classic in, yeah. is, is, is normal. Like yeah. uh, modernist planning yeah. in the, in the broad sense of uh, late 19th century onwards, as uh, privileges this notion of uh, local centralities in suburban developments with a, there should be a, like a commercial center there should yeah. be neighborhood uh, services but this one this this doesn't tackle any of the issues of scale that are involved there no and it integrates everything in a much more informal and that's i think mixed the, use kind yeah. of way and i think that's the key thing yeah obviously from from our perspective the key thing is scale yeah scale is not just more quantity it's a transformation of quantity into quality yeah which and, brings different problems and exactly contradictions so you, you like you obviously the city cannot function as let's just add more um yeah. little towns on the borders of existing cities yeah there is an element of like that being desirable yeah. in ev- all planning discussion since urban well, planning was invented and this is it's also offered as a critique in the materials for the buildings chosen their manner of construction and everything the prince of wales basically said that this is an alternative to mass produced construction. Yes. Uh, and the modern industrial yeah. economy in general. Yeah, it's it's right? essentially Yeah. So it's, it's re- just rejecting the problem of scale. Exactly. In those terms, exactly. the problem that modernity Sca- poses to the city. And the, and it is in precisely in that sense that it is just like straight just up reactionary. a reactionary project. Yeah. Uh, and it's also uh, Yeah, it's it's like it's 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 worse than just postmodern, because postmodernism doesn't refuse the contemporary. Right. In this case, it, it expressly refuses. It's a manifesto against modernity, yeah. not against modernism. 
it's funny how the there's the, there's a lot of rhetoric around it. It's used by sort of conservative philosophers. I, I was reading that the British conservative philosopher Sir Roger Scruton. Okay, uh, never heard of this. Loved the project and hailed it for its. This is from the Wikipedia. Mm. The proportions of Poundbury are human proportions. The details are restful to the eye. This is not great or original architecture, nor does it try to be. It is a modest attempt to get things right by following patterns and examples laid down by tradition. This is not nostalgia, but knowledge passed on from age to age. <laughs> Scruton, also a defender of monarchy. Sure. Constitutional I monarchy. Mean, okay. Uh, a defender of... It's a planned monarchy. Tobacco. Tobacco interests. He he was basically f- had to leave Britain because he has a pro-tobacco philosophy. He he was apparently writing <laughs> articles uh, against controls on tobacco. Okay. While being while taking like forty thousand pounds a year from tobacco industry okay. without telling anybody. That's great. So he was forced out. It's a good way of America. being a philosopher. He moved to America. I I, I went on a little down a little rabbit hole with this guy. Okay. He moved to America uh, onto a. Uh, like an 18th century plantation, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so another another character to add to our right-wing architecture uh, list. Um, yeah, like, I don't know, like, Poundbury is obviously funny. Yeah. It's just obviously funny. I like, sorry, I like it, how, how um, it's used as this alternative to modernity's, like, totalizing totalitarian authoritarian yes. control um and and scruton emphasizes it's like humbleness it's you know restfulness right. blah blah right. blah but then the whole a, thing is incredibly totalitarian yeah there's a 52 page design and community code on yes. like what can happen in the town yes introduced by a statement from the king yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> like you this is how it needs to look if you want to build there and yeah. that's it yeah. like there's no you, you like and it, and it and that's an interesting part of the and uh, it highlights a, a very interesting contradiction in the um, in the um, like in, in the applicability of the kind of trad principle. Yeah. Like a, a major argument of the trad principle is a kind of a populist argument on like yeah. it, these people don't like modernism. People like uh, the, uh, the like classical or vernacular like tr- traditional forms, whatever that means. Yeah. Uh, the word you can use changes. Um, People like their local traditional culture, like Greek uh, temple porticos, exactly and, uh, Italian piazzas. Yes, in Britain. Yes, um, and of course, this is like this. There is a kind of an argument always. This populist argument mixes together with a kind of an essentialist argument of, and they like, and people like that because it it fulfills the objective universal rules of harmony and beauty yeah because it whatever nature blah 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 it's kind of uh typical essentialist old-timey notion of beauty um but the populist turns out in practical terms the populist thing doesn't really kind of work like that obviously yeah uh you can't compatibilize the two when you're like actually trying to implement these policies for this uh a a very funny example is that the um the um like the boundary main square mm-hmm. um what is it queen mother square queen mother square <laughs> indeed 
the boundary main square, which is now just a car park. <laughs> Fabulous. <Is> it <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it's like a it's a rectangle, but not quite. It needs to have a like a chamfered corner with a uh -huh. with a Renaissance palazzo, just creating a little diagonal thing to break the rectangular base shape to make it more quaint. Yeah, it, weird that the one thing out of order with the plan is the palazzo is the main palazzo <laughs> that doesn't like, make much it, sense it, no it makes zero <laughs> absolutely zero sense although i mean yeah like the what when you what you usually have is the palazzo trying to establish some semblance of order over the rest like, of the over square. the rest of yeah. the square yeah. that's what happens in italian renaissance squares uh although the italian renaissance squares often and almost never are actual rectangles yeah anyway um, it just feels like they're trying to do the exact same angle as the um, uh, what's what's the name of the, the the square in Rome the capital the capital Capitoline uh, Hill Square. Yeah. I don't remember. It, 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 it's it's like the whole square is designed and it has a kind of a trapeze shape mm. and the angle is sort of looks like this and I I look at that and I can't help but think they trying to go for the Capitoline Hill angle. Anyway. Um, so all of these buildings, like the big palazzos, one of them is a hotel. The other one mm -hmm. is um, uh, what is it? It's like Mark and Spencer or something like that. Okay, Waitrose. It's a, it's a maybe. Super, Waitrose, yeah, super. It's a supermarket, right? Which, of course, like just the existence of the supermarkets in direct contradiction with the whole <laughs> logic, like uh, of, of traditional living should be. You have like little shops. Yeah, where's the, the farmers market? Yeah. yeah. Um, you have little shops in the streets and you have like the farmer's market. Exactly. The, um, the there's a little tower, which is on top of a sort of cubicle. Um, it's, it's like a campanile, basically. Hmm? It's, it's a, like it's a, a weird sort of campanile. campanile tower, but with windows. Um, it's probably also some kind of luxury apartments. I think, I think it's luxury apartments. It's on top of, uh, like three, it's three, th three stories of luxury apartments with a campanile on top and uh, a uh, tr cubicle triumphal arch on bottom. Yeah, that's kind of like the Venetian campanile has like the stone and brick yeah, combination. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely going for the Venice one. Although again, the, the bottom base, the stone base uh, is is a triumphal arch kind of right. entrance. Right. This was built later. The um, There used to be a, just a, a, a normal triumphal arch marking mm. that entrance and then there was it was expanded uh this was designed by um by uh, career uh it was expanded to have this little tower and the people around it didn't like the tower and mobilized to stop it wow they didn't want the tower it would like break the skyline or whatever okay <laughs> um so like the populist argument obviously doesn't work there because like the local population did like a like a petition to stop the building of the tower <laughs> The local bourgeoisie, the local bourgeoisie got their pitchforks and tried to stop the building of the tower. I mean, you look at that, and obviously the tower should be there. Yeah, I'm trying to imagine. Creer was right, <laughs> <laughs> and the local peoples weren't. Yeah, this, this is a little story I got from a, a student who did a, an essay on Poundbury like a few years ago, nice. who compiled kind of a series of like he dug for newspapers for stories like this. Uh, Hi, Tamir. So there's some other stuff that I have on uh, King Charles's 
architecture tastes. Less specifically on Poundbury. Okay. On his kind of general framework. It's a kind of a, I just read a quite interesting. It's one of those things that you just like run into because it, it lands on your Twitter feed. Uh, an, uh, an article on Jacobin by Owen Hatherley, hmm. who we like quite a lot. We like Owen Hatherley. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he uh, has a little article on Jacobin, it's like a month ago, uh, titled King Charles has some very strange ideas about how cities should look. Okay. That's a <laughs> fairly straightforward title. Yeah. Sounds accurate. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. So the thing that I learned here that I did not know, I mean, the, the, the takes are fairly straightforward and clear, but uh, what I would like to bring is that apparently the, um, like the architectural ideology of King Charles was formed in Transylvania. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, uh, this is pretty neat. Um, yeah, so Owen Hatherley uh, apparently had, did, did a little dig up and turns out that like uh, he he says that he on a trip to Romania in 2018, he was uh, told by some. He was visited in the night by. Uh... <laughs> he was told <laughs> in his uh, hotel room <laughs> through the window. Um, yeah, so someone some guy told him that uh, like Charles's some of Charles's politics could be found in uh, the western region of the country Transylvania, which is a region of Romania, the like in more inland part of it, mm -hmm. closed off by the Carpathians. And yeah, apparently Charles um, basically started buying property in Romania in after 1989. Like, like most Western land real estate uh, investors, the British monarchy... Started, started buying, buying parts of Romania. The former socialists. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The moment the regime fell, started buying off the slices of the country. Right, right. right. Um, and so, like the uh, Charlesian, how do you call that? What's the adjective? That's a good question. Is it like... It's like Victorian, Carolingian Edwardian. Or something? Carolingian, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Carolingian era. The Carolingian style. The... Uh, <laughs> Carolingian architectural st uh, style <laughs> began in, with this uh, real estate uh, purchase of formerly socialist public land. Right. And make make Transylvania Dracula again. again. Yes. <laughs> make yes, it vampire exactly. again. Vampire again. Vampiric <laughs> again. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he just like... Too long without blood-sucking parasites, apparently. <laughs> yeah, like the, the entire joke, I mean, it, unfortunately, we have, the, the queen has to die for us to learn this. So now we can't make the whole, like, they don't die because they bathe in the blood of virgins joke right, anymore. Right, 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 yeah. Did he buy, like, Elizabeth Bathory's house or something? Uh, <laughs> castle? <laughs> so, up, so in visiting the, their newfound, newborn estates, in rural Transylvania. That's where he kind of got the whole like um, rurally vernacular uh, vibe. Like yep. he, he jived, the vibe jibed with him. And that, that's, that's where the whole thing kind of started, apparently. 
They're not going to, he's not going to start putting like uh, modernists on pikes, is he? <laughs> it's like new order of the dragon. Yes. <laughs> that would be interesting. Trad architecture crusade. Right. Put br- brutalist housing on spikes. On spikes. Pillity. <laughs> <laughs> Skewered on their own pillow. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, the obviously the entire point is that there's a kind of a, just a... Vast vampire conspiracy. Of course. <laughs> the, um, there's kind of a hatred of the city that is really just a kind of a manifestation of contemporary, like the contemporary angst of the aristocrat class. Right. Like, it's like this... The, the, the reason why we shouldn't take this seriously as a problem is because it's obvious. This makes it obvious that this, this is really just a kind of a, an aristocrat class mm-hmm. problem that isn't even in tune with the contemporary ideological needs of the contemporary bourgeoisie. Like this, this does not serve the interests of capital. Right, right. I mean, Jody Dean makes an argument and... and other people made this argument, but Jody Dean made it in a fairly architectural way uh, about this transition to feudalism. And there's a new kind of feudal imaginary in a lot of capitalist, right? Like especially Silicon Valley. Yeah, I mean, there is, a, there is a sort ideology. of return to the countryside, which is a kind of a general thing going on. Yeah, um, like now over the past like five years, uh, Bill Gates became the largest landowner in the United States. Yeah. For the, like, the uh, tech giants, like the who are like the correspond to like the apex of the new corporate pyramid of the yeah. kind of emerging tech sector. It's uh, it's it's the hippie back to the land movement by way of Silicon Valley billionaires. Yeah, exa- exactly. That's yeah. exactly that. And it's so you you will expect that it will be as kind of a neo neo Palladian thing going on there. <laughs> it makes perfect sense, right? Right. Like, right. As Palladio was the expression of uh, the. Uh, Venetian uh, merchant class losing their monopoly on Mediterranean trade with the East right, right. because of the Turks and the Portuguese. Uh, and so they basically had to put their merchant money into land agricultural exploitation again. And that's what Palladio... In the the, yeah, that's what the Palladio Villa is. It's just right. like the Palazzo where the former merchant family now turned into feudal land, feudal proto-capitalist landowner yep. uh, is now m- moved to. Uh, which takes like the reference that 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 it takes is the the Roman original Roman villa, which is where the uh, senatorial class uh, slave lord oversees mm-hmm. their latifundia. Right? Yep. It's the exact same thing. Uh, the 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 Palladian moment is that the neo Palladian moment is the same thing in in Britain and the United States. It's the uh, like plantation owner architecture of the neo uh slaving neo slave slave based economy of the kind of this kind of formative moment of anglo-saxon uh american capitalism Mm -hmm. um and now we have a neo neo palladian moment it's for for of bill gates buying lots of land obviously it it probably will the trend is going to be to employ vast masses of neo-neo-slave, like Latino uh, serfs. 
and it's going to be based on that. I guess they're also building a lot of kind of uh, survival bunkers and enclaves in uh, like New Zealand. Are they? Are they? I also are, heard from. Uh, are those enclaves Neo Palladian as well? Probably. It's kind of Neo Palladian <laughs> bunkers. In New Zealand, they might be like <laughs> under Lord the, of the Misty Rings. Mountains. Yeah, they might be Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Mordor, the Neo Palladian, Neo Palladian uh, mines of Moria. Yeah, it's kind of like <laughs> tech hobbit. Uh, nightmare. It's dwarves, like they, they're going to be yeah, dwarves. Yes, they are dwarves. It's the mines of Moria. But no, they're the orcs that have taken over. Bill Gates is the Balrog. Okay. Right? Yeah. That's just like living in the new mines, new Palladian mines of Moria. Mm. And all the Kiwis have been long since departed. Or turned into, corrupted into being the orcs that serve them. <laughs> I did hear that in uh, from a friend in Toronto that apparently people who are renovating, rich people who are renovating their houses mm-hmm. in Toronto are now going down rather than up or out. Like they're creating mm. basements and sub-basements and actually building kind of like bunkers. I don't know to what but extent is, this are is they a security thing. Or is it a, I don't know to what extent. Is that to be like a pool uh, basement? I don't know. Snooker basement with billiards and shit. I, I don't know what the program is exactly. I don't know if it's a security thing, but it's apparently a trend. Okay. I assume it's some kind of security. Right. Uh, kind of survivalist. It can be thing. survivalist. It can be a sort of... I mean, it can have the whole like nuclear war uh, protection yeah. apocalypse thing, or it, or it can just be a, like extra levels of awareness of the increasing class tensions and uh, growing uh, like it's it's a fortification of the property yeah it feels like a for- fortification thing yeah. yeah yeah i thought that was interesting kind of right. scary right 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 well this whole uh like back to the land countryside focus i mean it makes me think of the rem Kulhas oma amo thing uh countryside the future yeah yeah i mean obviously the that's that's a that's Rem correctly judging. Like, he, yeah, he's like, he, Bill Gates is now doing that, so I'm going <laughs> to do the architecture of that now. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> this is what I learned about, this is how I learned to appreciate Rem Kulhas. Because as a, as a He's the as smartest, a student, he's yeah. the smartest evil architect yeah. ever. When I was younger, <laughs> I, would, I just had a kind of moral protest against him. Okay. But I, I didn't realize how much I could learn right, from him. Right, how, right. How effective... Right. He is as a symptom yeah. and weather vane yeah. Yeah. of like these things. And his completely shameless opportunism is just like yes. so exemplary yes. and Ex- useful exactly. to read. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I w- this is the second time we're mentioning Cole has in this conversation, right? I mean, there is I it, it does emphasize the connection there between like all of these different trends of contemporary architecture. Like there is a there is something important that Rem Koolhaas and Leon Creer have in common. It's not an accident that Leon Creer was replaced by Rem Koolhaas in the same unit by way of uh, Elias Engelis, right? Like, it's, it's, there, there's some ideological continuity. Like, both of them see, see themselves as kind of radical leftist. Uh, yeah, or did at some point. Or did at some point. Probably, it's part probably of the, both it's part of the mythology. They probably still mythology. both do to a certain extent. Uh, 
I mean, Creer explicitly as a communist, uh, uh, Rem is more postmodern, so he's a younger generation, so it's going to be more like anarchist or whatever, but it's the, like the, 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 the jive is the same, right? Creer's uh, kind of opposition to the kind of metropolitan mo modernity comes from the same spot than Kool has his anti-vanguard, anti, uh, uh, comes from the same spot as Kool has his uh, neo-avant-gardism. It's like there, there's a direct link there through the kind of Soviet constructivist movement. Like the Soviet constructivists were simultaneously metropolitan avant-garde and anti-city. Like the, the, the first radical anti-urban ideology at a kind of a grand scale as a notion of a kind of a de-urbanization of the territory is the Soviet deconstructivist. Like, I, I mean, there are obviously 19th century prior examples, but as a kind of a national plan with an actual concrete politics, it's probably the, the first one that has any measure of kind of yeah, these substantial and these examples that. were part of the Guggenheim New York yes. exhibition, yeah. Countryside the Future, along right. with I think even like some liberal some like uh more liberal examples. Right. A Nazi Lebensraum, I think, is even in there. Right, right. Um there's a new kind of Qatari agricultural, agricultural reorganization. Some desert irrigation thing. thing. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I guess the question is, I mean, when, when you see someone like Kulha saying countryside the future, the irony of the ideologue of Manhattan and metropolitanism, who named his firm yeah. Office of Metropolitan Architecture, right. now kind of telling everybody that we spend too much time talking about the city. Right. Uh, that's kind of the first reaction I think one might have to this. Yeah, but that's the obvious. That's the obvious one, thing. That yeah. Everyone, like all articles covering this exhibition, yeah, have this we'll start with, initial yeah. take. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's kind of like Rainier de Graaf, who was at AMO before, right. telling us at that conference in right. Dundee that like, isn't it terrible how Manhattan is just full of real estate speculative powers? <laughs> it's like, that's your shit. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've probably already before talked you, about this. At, at least it was yeah. before you lost your job. Yeah, before you left AMO. Um. But when you look at the, like, from what I can tell, the material of yeah, this like, sorry, at, at the time, our take was Rainier is it's dropping the metropolitan take because he left OMA. But turns out, yeah, it turns OMA out. is also turning the same way yeah, itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're all spinning with the wind, yeah. <laughs> like the weather vanes that they are. In the text for the Countryside the Future exhibition, one of the points they begin with is like the countryside. They say like in ancient times there was consensus in from Rome, China, but they, they talk particularly about Rome that for the Romans, while the city was a space of like commerce and negotiation, the countryside was a space of relaxation, of leisure, of like contemplation. The, uh, this, yeah, exactly. Like this is this is exactly where you see the neo neo Palladian yeah. thing going on here. Like it, there's really no, no substantial difference you see here between Kulhas and Creer. Like it's, it, the whole thing in Rome, the relaxation thing, is that, yeah, when the Senate is not in session, the senatorial class goes to each respective uh, villas in the countryside where they are controlling all of the slaves because the entire mode of production is dependent on agricultural slave labor. Like yeah. it's the exact opposite. The uh, space of production is the countryside. Yeah, everyone's working in the countryside. Everyone's uh, except the 
land. I mean, land there, there is an urban proletariat too, uh, right. but that's like basically focused in Rome itself. It's like yeah. the administrative center of the empire. The empire is in the countryside. It's the control right. of the countryside and the exploitation of free labor in the countryside that determines the empire. Yeah. Be- even before the empire is born, like in the period of the Republic as well, like it's, 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 the the countryside is where the slave owner relaxes while the workers the slaves work. That's that's the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the mythological reading of this past that they are just engaged in and apologetically and with complete historical disregard for anything is quite remarkable. Mm-hmm. No skepticism at all. No, like the supp- supposed extreme cynicism of Cool has just totally. Like he's just a feudal reactionary ideologue here. Yeah, there's no difference but between it, him and Prince Charles. The strange no thing, difference between Prince Charles and Coolhas. The strange thing is that they they go from this to a critique of contemporary, like countryside wellness resort industry. Right, as if like there's been some lost they bucolic their corruption. Yeah, like the yes. the past uh, paradise that was the countryside yeah. where the the fishermen and the shepherd, yeah. you know basked in the sun and like uh chewed on a hayseed <laughs> now it's all like expensive resorts catering it's all, it's for all, city folk and it's funny like, it was all corrupted by contemporary capitalism but contemporary capitalism is here expressed through its consumerism again we're back to what we discussed in the uh like the bad takes on the welfare state right uh in the previous episode right like capitalism is bad through its consumerism not through the, its exploitation not through its of exploitation, labor yeah it's yeah, not yeah. in the production moment that did identify capitalism it's in the consumption moment yeah yeah which is obviously just the way capitalists themselves perceive capitalism they perceive themselves like they are people who are good at selling stuff not people who exploit the labor of the people who produce the things that they then sell that's the marxist turn away from uh bourgeois political economy and it that that's really just what these people do yeah the problem with capitalism is its consumerism and that merges into this kind of feudal reactionary take that just internalizes the ideology of the slave lord. It seems like the 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 gist of this is yeah, it's focusing on this new kind of tech infrastructure in the countryside. Right. New forms of agriculture, new kind of like the use of space outside cities for data farms or right, whatever. Um, and it's a, it's an extension basically of urban infrastructure into right. the into the countryside, premised on the continued expansion of urbanization. Right. Um, so it doesn't have, from what I can tell, other than the kind of uh, knickknacks and cultural detritus that OMA just scatters around the museum with this, you know, the the whole like yeah. graphic aesthetic of yeah. OMA is just kind of cutouts, a la. Uh, I don't know, archigram or something. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a typical example of like how architects interpret the world in the contemporary moment. Yeah, it's, like it's explicitly not wanting to like approach the problem at the way in which it, the, like the the structures through which it works, but kind of capturing little moments, kind of a pointillistic, yeah. imp- impressionistic, yeah, yeah, uh, reading of it, in, so that it can identify objects that can be easily commodified as architecture. Yeah, that's obviously yeah. what's how, yeah. how that's yeah. how everything keeps always working. Every time yes. you see an exhibition that is vaguely connected to architecture, 
or even just art, to be honest. Uh, and it's about like connecting to something real that's happening in the world. What always it does is this, like identifying little objects that can be presented on, on top of a, like as an art, as a, it, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's just reducing the, whatever reality is being looked at, at to the found object, collection of yeah, found yeah. objects to be sold in a culture market. And Kulhas has, a, has an intellectual version of this where he'll take like some object from Coney Island, like a mechanical cow that dispenses <laughs> ice cream. Yeah. And then he'll just call an entire chapter of the book the mechanical cow yes. or he'll have yes. like a the history of the world and the contemporary era is the era of the mechanical exactly. cow and that <laughs> it's like a synecdoche that one it's thing exactly stands right. in for like the entire reading yeah. of, of yeah. the yeah. and it, it's an incredibly effective kind of aesthetic yes commodification and everybody loves branding it. everybody you know, loves it yeah but there's no apart from, yeah apart from this uh the like bric-a-brac kind of like scraps of imagery and things that decorate the exhibition like there's a roman sculpture of a fisherman reproduced mm -hmm. uh and there's some images of like i don't know like a early modern uh countryside characters um the whole thing doesn't have the nostalgic dimension of uh career and King no I, charles this the is, third yeah this is where cool has is better than career even though they have a lot in common right. co contrary to popular expectations uh, like Creer takes from the constructivist disurbanist project of basically the, in, misinterp radically misinterpreting Lenin's take on like socialism dissolving the difference between the city and the countryside uh, and the, the, the logic was kind of linear cities and we, we've covered this already both when we talked about Creer yeah. when we talked about the line, the line. Um, the uh, this logic of dissolving the city was was at the time against the urbanist uh, proposal, which was to rationalize the city, controlling its uh, planning, uh, controlling its scale, and producing a series of new cities, new industrial towns to kind of populate the territory in general, but through new urban uh, projects. Uh, it's the like the seat the 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 constructivist the constructivist new new dissolution of the city that this urbanism I don't know, just produces like reduces new architecture like it radically moves from like large apartment collective life buildings to little little houses in the countryside along a, rail, a railway right mm -hmm. which will be prefabricated so they wouldn't wouldn't have the stylistic accoutrement that uh, career likes but it would be a return to the little little row housing uh, approach um with kind of a deep connection to the nature around it and blah 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 but yeah there's some connection to like uh frank lloyd wright broadacre city absolutely like it's yes. a kind of a i mean you can even it's a think socialist of version of broadacre city yeah. absolutely yeah which it's, would appeal it, you'd think to like middle class americans and brits as yes. like a cottage in the yeah or like yeah and that's the that's the twist. That's the yeah. that's the uh, move that Creer makes. That's how he's communism with the, with coincides the, the town, with the mon townscape. Mon traditional monarchism, monarchist tradition. I mean, the, I think the contradiction with Creer is that his model is like the Greek city. Ultimately, mm. like he thinks of the city as the political space. Yeah, it's the Russian thing. Yeah. So, but so he's not he's not after, like his reference is not the constructivists. It's. This is, I mean, I mean this, it, he's, it is and isn't. This, this is the thing. Career, career's service to like the feudal aristocracy is comes out of his feudal socialism, right? 
Whereas Kulhas's service to the feud, the new feudal bourgeoisie, the new feudal comes out of his capitalism and his right. service to just the bourgeoisie yeah. in general. Yes. So Creer has basically picked the wrong feudal class <laughs> here, and that's why <laughs> he picked the feudal class of the past. Yeah, he he picked like the literal aristocracy, right. which still exists in Britain. Yes. Uh, and that's why we can talk about it as this kind of quaint right. uh, side note on... That's not actually that dangerous. That's not actually that it's dangerous. The, the, it may actually be kind of nice in some ways. Yeah, and Cool uh, has is not as bad, but in many ways it's substantially worse. It's far more dangerous. Because yeah. that this is... The Cool has take on the same general idea. Yeah. Like, Cool has is re, like return to constructivism again by way of its disurbanism of yeah. the bad parts of constructivism that were wrong <laughs> is exactly the architecture of everything that's bad that's happening right now i mean he's fairly smart in that he like he even like puts in some like chinese planning things in there i guess yeah yeah uh and like i mean he, i mean he's he's, right, he's, he's completely right. mercenary so you get yes, some of course he'll he'll prop up or like put forward some some good stuff too probably in there yeah, I mean just the, anything that's going the, the, but the point is that the uh, the core of the approach that is determined by the architectural milieu within which Kulhas works in structurally determines that his approach to it is commodified in the service of the Bill Gates purchase of land um, precisely because it does not engage with the structures like the difference between uh, large-scale territorial planning, which, I mean, the, 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 ex the exhibition is called Countryside of the Future, right? Mm -hmm. And he, this is correct in the sense, but in the sense that the countryside as large-scale, all-encompassing territorial planning is the future. It's the only possible future, in fact. Right, right. Like, the only way to address the needs of the present, like... The, 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 the issues of ending, ending hunger, yeah. ending misery, uh, providing good material conditions for all of the Earth's population, while at the same time saving the planet from climate change. Yeah. The only way to do it is through large-scale, all-encompassing territorial planning. And the only context in which something like this is happening or moving towards this is happening in the way that it is necessary, at the scale that it is necessary, is China. Mm. I mean, you you need a, a develop uh, a development model of this of that kind, um, but this is not what Kohlhaas is really talking about. Even if he can like touch upon it, like Kohlhaas is for Kohlhaas, like in Kohlhaas framework, there is no difference between uh, Chinese rural planning and uh, which is deeply connected with China's urban planning. Like the two, the two sides of the same coin. It's not the rural versus the countryside. It's all encompassing planning of the territory as a whole. So you can't just do like the rural, the countryside brand is now the cool one. No, the issue is planning at the large scale. He, for him, this is the same thing as uh, the uh, Tesla factory that Elon Musk did in wherever, right? Yeah. Which is in the middle of nowhere as well. And it's a big factory. It's like the yeah. biggest factory on, in the, on the planet or something. He's just he's just compiling all the potential meal tickets that are out there. Yes, exactly. In the in, and in the classic kind of uh, retrospective fashion of Kulhas, right. like this is all stuff that's happening without architects needing to be involved. Right. Let's see if we can get yeah. on this train. That is the yeah. It's that's the Kulhas. Cool yeah. It's the Kulhas cool approach. It's the Kulhas cool neo-Corbusianism. 
Yeah. The good thing that's out there is when no architects. So yeah. let me bring that into <laughs> architecture while in fact what I'm doing yeah. is bringing architecture into it, like yeah. into convincing the people doing it without architects to start giving money to me, the architect, yeah. to yeah. do the same. <laughs> yeah. And he calls uh, Delirious New York a retrospective manifesto, yes. but all basically manifestos are actually retrospective. Right. Because the discipline doesn't actually no. invent stuff and no. change the world. <laughs> right. So yeah, like the, 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 the point in which Kulhas is better than Creer is that he is thinking about the countryside in terms of like its scale. He then mm -hmm. he refuses to engage with the scale properly because he's not looking at planning structures but at objects that can be commodified for the market. He's an architect. He's thinking about it in architecture terms. Um, but at least he's like engaged. He engages at, at least rhetorically or aesthetically with the, with the countryside as the territory and scale, mm -hmm. right? The, the same way that he engaged with the metro metropolis as an issue of scale as well. Right, mm -hmm. even though what he wanted to do is fetishize the skyscraper as an mm -hmm. object, mm -hmm. and Creer, as we've discussed, like the this kind of disurbanist model doesn't work as a like you you can't deal with it doesn't deal with it rejects scale as an as a, a scale is bad yeah. we need to move yeah. away from scale that's the whole point of it yeah it's an anachronistic like, protest yeah exactly Poundbury is about let's move away from scale as a problem and yeah. return to kind of the the meaning of small communities where everyone knows their neighbor mm -hmm. and all the houses look like houses such as we used yeah. to. Identify. All the houses are half timbered or have like a little, right. you know, fan light of some kind yeah. on them. Yeah. A little chimney that doesn't yeah. work. <laughs> uh, but on the other hand, that's why he's so much worse, uh, cool has than, than Korea. And actually when More you look dangerous, at it, yeah. yeah. And actually when you look at it, Cool has doesn't do planning and created the planned little yeah, town. Yeah, that's a nice irony. Yeah. And the uh, the I planned mean, little town, I, I, it's like, it's like sure, it's terrible. You look at it, but it's also a possibly the 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 most significant and possibly best example <laughs> of ur of urban or town planning in Britain since the seventies. Okay, well, what's the what's the verdict on this, good or bad? I honestly don't know. Yeah. Is it good enough to turn around and become bad? It's hard. I have this kind of deep sympathy for career. It's like a pet of mine. <laughs> so yeah, like, it's really hard for me to call this bad because I was just like, I, I, I think I, I like career. I think he's cute. Yeah. I mean, how has our verdict changed since... Charles' ascension to the throne. <laughs> mm. is, it, is it our duty to say bad at this point? It may be necessary. It may be politically necessary to say bad. <laughs> as um, Just tactically? Yeah, like new urbanism is going to be like implemented as national law. Yeah. This is going to be his version of the Trump. Uh, yes. It's going to be village. Every, all government buildings have to have a campanile. Exactly. well let's say bad but also i want to go there and and see what it's actually like in person i mean it's obviously good as a day trip yeah i it's it's bad as a place to live and use or maybe it is like yeah there i don't know i don't really know i either. don't know if it's 
good to live is a good place to live. Yeah. It may be. Yeah. I don't know. It's what obviously jobs... not a good solution for everyone to live in because, yeah. it, again, it does not address the issue of scale. Yeah. You can't transform the built environment into this. Right. But it's planning, it's bizarre pseudo planning dimension is positive. Is it, I think the operative question would be is it a better place to live yeah. than a similarly sized small rural town? Right. And it may not be, or it may be. Yeah. It may very well be. Like it's definitely more packed, more dense. Right. And that, I would guess, is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, it's probably only moderately wealthy people at the very least living in it. Yeah. I don't know what jobs working class people would have there other than yeah. at that waitrose. Yeah. There must be. There's apparently like a chocolate. There's apparently like a, a, a chocolate factory or something. There's even like a little uh, factory of uh, high tech um, plane components. Right. Bad. Bad. <laughs> well, it depends if the plane is a, is like civilian. Civilian or not? Yeah. Civilian or not? If it's yeah, yeah. yeah. If it's a subcontractor of Raytheon. What do you think, audience? Dear listener, <laughs> <laughs> submit your thoughts to our Patreon. Indeed. Let's have a little vote. We should have a little vote. Yeah, we should do a little. Can you do a poll on uh, Twitter? Twitter poll. <laughs> we can definitely do a Twitter Poundbury poll. Poundbury, good or bad. Yes. Let's do that. Let's do that. Okay, it's a deal. <laughs> All right. Well. Yeah, so. Um, a first taste of what King Charles has in store for all of us. <laughs> I mean, if we're lucky. If we, <laughs> if we have globalized access to town planning, I'm all, I'm all for it. Yeah. If all the town planning is like new disurbanism, I may not be all for it. Yeah, we just got to make sure that King Charles and Rem Kulas don't get in the same room. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the real danger. Yeah, that's like, the real danger. If uh, if Creer dies before uh, King Charles, and he replaces him with the uh, Coolhaz, then we're in trouble. Then we're then we're really <laughs> screwed. Yeah, yeah, that's the British secret, right? Is the alliance between the the feudal class and the capitalist and the yeah, bourgeois class? Exactly. If they can somehow renew that in yeah. the transition to neo feudalism, yeah. yeah, yeah, that would be a big problem. By way of a Dutch alliance. <laughs> By way of a Dutch, yeah, <laughs> from Luxembourg to Dutch. Got to get some Greek in there somehow. I don't know how. Mm. Yeah. The polis. <laughs> the police. Defend the police. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, till next time. Yep. Uh, go to patreon.com slash street sweeper pod mm -hmm. and become a patron. Tell us if you like Poundbury or not. Yeah. Leave us a question. Mm -hmm. And uh, see you next time. See you next time.